been reports of gold in the Rocky Mountains since the time of the Conquistadors. John Ralston had found a little in Arvada in 1849, but no one had gotten rich. William Green Russell and some other successful Georgia miners decided to come to the Rocky Mountains and find lots of gold. They left Georgia on February 17, 1858, and after four months on the road, they got to the banks of Cherry Creek on June 24th. They came following the Santa Fe Trail to the Cherokee Trail. On July 3rd, most gave up and returned home. Thirteen remained. These people were convinced gold was here and were determined to find it. A few weeks later, James Pierce, Russell's cousin, found about $400 worth of gold at the mouth of Little Dry Creek in Englewood. On the last day of July, a whiskey trader and complete stranger, John Cantrell, a former California 49er himself, rode into the Dry Creek camp and not only visited for a week, but upon his departure to Kansas City, took a bag of Jim Pierce's gold-bearing gravel and dirt with him. Arriving in Kansas City was his pouch of pay dirt. Cantrell had it assayed and the value attested. On August 26th, the Kansas City Journal of Commerce headlines stated, The New El Dorado, Gold in Kansas Territory, The Pikes Peak Mines, First Arrival of Gold Dust at Kansas City. We have refrained from giving too much credence to these gold discoveries until assured of their truth, said the editor of the journal. But it would be unjust to the country longer to withhold the facts of which there can no longer be a doubt. Kansas City is alive with excitement, and parties are already preparing for the diggings. Shortly afterward, appeared in Beyond the Mississippi, Richardson wrote, It was an uncontrollable eruption, a great river of human life rolling toward the setting sun, at once a triumph and a prophecy. Wild West Podcast proudly presents Gold and the Overland Trail. Portions of the following narrative are excerpts from an article entitled Rush to the Rockies, 1859, by Agnes Wright Spring. The words of gold scattered like sparks from a roaring prairie fire before a mighty wind. They were the words men all over the 1858 depression-ridden country had wished for. Not only mention the discovery of yellow metal, but several ounces of the treasured gold had been brought to Kansas City by well-known mountain men. The new mines, it was explained, were on Cherry Creek, one of the most southern branches of the South Platte, and the epicenter of the best hunting grounds of the Rocky Mountains. The game exists in abundance and surplus of timber, water, and grass. John Cantrell, one of the gold-bearing arrivals from the mountains, was no foreigner in Kansas City. He had long been a resident of nearby Westport. Cantrell had specimens of float gold which he had obtained in Cherry Creek, and which he reported that he had met a party of Georgians headed by Green Russell, from whom he learned that seven of the party had made more than $1,000 in 10 days. That gold existed in the region later known as Colorado had been rumored for many decades, and Spaniards were said to have mined for it and had, to some extent, been successful in the San Luis Valley. A man named James Persley had, in 1807, confirmed to Captain Zebulon M. Pike in Santa Fe, New Mexico, that he had discovered gold in South Park in 1803. Indians had obtained gold in various forms, bringing it to the trading posts along the North and South Platte rivers, 
and the Arkansas. But neither the Indians nor the mountain men had tried to develop mines, as they knew that the attraction of gold would surely bring to their hunting grounds many men who would eradicate the game and ruin their trapping and training business. In 1850, a party of Cherokees going to California camped on a Clear Creek branch near the present Denver site. Among the group were some who had once lived in the gold region in Georgia. They knew color when they saw it. On June 22nd, Louis Ralston, one of the party, discovered a little gold in the stream that runs through present Arvada. His comrades named the stream in his honor Ralston Creek. Since the amount of gold in the sand was small, the party pushed on to the west. In the spring of 1857, the War Department sent an expedition into the west to hunt down the Cheyenne Indians who had been on the warpath for a year. The soldiers were to bring the Indians to terms or reprimand them. This expedition was divided into two commands. One command, comprising four companies of the 1st Cavalry under Major General John Sedgwick, proceeded through the Santa Fe Road and Upper Arkansas River to the foot of the mountains. Sedgwick employed at Leavenworth guides, scouts, and trailers for the expedition. A half-dozen Delaware Indians whose reservation on the Caw River was near Lawrence. These Delawares were under the command of Old Chief Fallleaf. According to Robert Morris Peck, two companies, E and K, 1st Cavalry, who was with the command, reported the following. Near the mouth of a creek called Fountain Kiboul, we turned off from the Arkansas and struck over the divide for the head of Cherry Creek, passing through some fine bodies of pine timber. Shortly before leaving the Arkansas, a small collection of Dobie shanties on the river opposite bank had been pointed out to me as Pueblo, a small settlement of Mexicans and trappers. Soon after reaching Cherry Creek, while marching down it, we met a party of six or eight men, Missourians, all afoot with a little old wagon drawn by a single yoke of steers on their way back to Missouri. These men were the first discoverers of gold in the Pikes Peak region. I have always been sorry that I did not ascertain their names and more about them to give them the credit they are entitled to for giving the country so important a discovery. Others have claimed the honor of this discovery, but I am satisfied that those Missourians were the first to make known to the public the presence of gold in that part of the country. Remember, this was all Kansas Territory then. Those men had a wounded comrade lying in their wagon, who had accidentally shot himself through the hand in pulling his rifle out of a wagon muzzle foremost a day or so before we met them. The wound had reached the gangrene stage, and they halted to ask surgical aid from our doctor. Our surgeon decided that it would be necessary to take the man along with us, and while halting to bring up a wagon and transfer the man, we got a chance to talk to them a little, and they told us their troubles. I think that they had been in the mountains between the mouth of Cherry Creek and Pikes Peak all winter and spring, 1856 and 57, prospecting, and had found plenty of gold, some of which they showed us, put up in bottles and little buckskin bags. They had originally intended to keep the discovery of gold a secret, but the Indians had run off all their stock except the yoke of steers, and it otherwise made life such a burden to them that they finally concluded the only way to make mining safe and profitable was to go back to Missouri, proclaim their discovery, make up a strong party that would be able to hold their own against the Indians, and return determined to have the dust. 
We parted company with them, they continuing on toward the States, and we moving on down the mouth of Cherry Creek, where Denver now stands, and camped on the 29th of June, 1857. What happened to this party of Missouri prospectors is outside the record. Did their reports of gold spur on some who joined the rush for Pikes Peak in the spring of 1858? Did any of the Missourians themselves return to the Rockies? It would be interesting to know. At any rate, it is of record that Fall Leaf, a Delaware, proved himself a good guide and expert hunter with the Cheyenne Expedition. In the autumn of 1857, he returned to his reservation in eastern Kansas. In Lawrence, he displayed gold nuggets he said he had obtained while on the military expedition. His gold created much excitement. Fall Leaf agreed to lead a party to the gold fields as soon as weather permitted in the spring. But Fall Leaf was not along when a party left the Lawrence area the following May. The first organized party to head for Cherry Creek early in 1858 was the Russell Party, led by William Green Russell of Dawson County, Georgia. His party, including his brothers, Dr. Levi and Oliver J. Russell, left Georgia in February. They were joined in Kansas by a party of Cherokees from Oklahoma, with whom Green Russell was acquainted, as he had married a woman of Cherokee blood. In narrating some of his experiences some months later, William Green Russell said, In 1849, I was attacked with a California fever and left my home for the distant El Dorado. I went by a northern overland route. While passing through that portion of the Rocky Mountains known as the Black Hills, I prospected for gold and found it on Sweetwater Fork, Wyoming headwaters. As a consequence of these indications of gold, I decided at that early date to return to the eastern slope of the Rocky Mountains and search for the deposits I believed to be hidden in them. Having spent three years in California, I returned to my Georgia home in 1852. While there, I determined to carry out the plans I had formed in 1849, but it was in March 1857 that I managed to leave my home a second time on a gold hunt. However, the political troubles in eastern Kansas prevented me from passing through the disturbed portion of the territory. I spent the warm season in the vicinity of Missouri River and returned to the fall to Georgia to spend the winter. In the following month of February, I again set out. My opinion that rich mineral treasures lay concealed in the Rocky Mountains had been strengthened by numerous letters written by natives of Georgia who had emigrated to western Arkansas and the Indian Territory. They stated that some of the Cherokees had found gold at different points in the South Platte Valley in 1850 and 1852. My company numbered 18 when I left eastern Kansas on the southern or Arkansas route, but on the way we fell in with a party of Cherokees and a company of Missourians who were also in search of the supposed gold, so that we numbered 101 males when we reached the base of the Rocky Mountains. While coming up Cherry Creek, we washed a few panfuls of dirt on its headwaters and found the color. On the 23rd of June, 1858, we came to that portion of the Platte Bottom on which the town of Auraria is now situated. We remained in that vicinity, prospecting at different points, until about the 6th of July when the company, the majority of whom had become discouraged by the insignificant results of our prospecting and the similar experience of other companies, dissolved. 
but 13 of the 101 determined to continue prospecting and started up the South Platte. We found a fair prospect of gold on that river and its tributaries. We penetrated the mountains to the edge of South Park, where we hunted for gold, until the latter part of August, returning thence to the mouth of Cherry Creek. After a short stay, we again started in a northern direction. We went as far as the Medicine Bow Mountains, which we prospected, finding strong signs of gold. On the 23rd of September, we again built our campsite on Cherry Creek. Upon returning from the Medicine Bow Mountains, I found a party from Lawrence, KT on Cherry Creek, who had started from that town for Pikes Peak many months before. Not having found gold near the peak, they had pushed southward into New Mexico. Upon hearing, however, of our prospecting on the headwaters of the South Platte, they again turned northward and finally met us as before stated. On the 15th of October, I set out on the return trip. When I left, I had from $300 to $400 worth of gold, the result of my prospecting during the preceding month. An almost equal amount had been taken in New Mexico by a portion of our party who had gone thither for provisions. When I left for the Missouri River, most of the members of my company remained behind, mining on the South Platte near its junction with Cherry Creek. I reached Leavenworth City on or about the 15th of November, where people eagerly beset me for news from the reputed gold country. The sight of the gold I had in my possession seemed to produce great excitement. However, I admonished all to be cautious and stated everywhere that I had yet failed to obtain evidence of the existence of gold in large quantities. A considerable part of the gold rush came over the Smoky Hill Trail in 1859 and the years following. The Smoky was shorter than the Overland or the Santa Fe Trails, but due to scarcity of water, was the hardest and most dangerous of the three great prairie roads from the Big Muddy, Missouri River, to the Pikes Peak region. More people died on the trail from hunger and thirst than from Indians. The emigrants came in covered wagons and on foot, even with push carts and wheelbarrows. Poorly equipped and scantily clad, they faced the inclement weather and chilling winds of early spring, and when their shoes wore out, many went barefoot through the mud and snow. Before reaching their goal, many deaths occurred from sickness and starvation in the desolate city of tents and cabins that would become Denver. The two main stage routes to Denver from the east were the Smoky Hill and Overland Trails. The Overland came from Julesburg via the Fort Morgan Cutoff to Bennett and Watkins and entered Denver on 6th Avenue. The Smoky Hill Trail came from Atchison, Kansas and followed the Smoky Hill River across Kansas, passing near Ellsworth, Wallace, Sharon Springs, and Cheyenne Wells, Colorado. The name Smoky Hill, or Smoky Hills, is derived from the prominent isolated buttes within the Great Bend. Landmarks are widely known to be seen from a great distance through an atmosphere frequently hazy from smoke. That's it for now. If you would like to purchase any of our books, you can check out the links on the description page of this podcast. Remember to check out our Wild West podcast shows on iTunes or wildwestpodcast.buzzsprout.com. You can also catch us on Facebook at facebook.com slash wildwestpodcast or on our YouTube channel at Wild West Podcast, Mike King YouTube. 
So make sure you subscribe to our shows listed at the end of the description text of this podcast to receive notification on all new episodes. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you have any comments or want to add to our series, please write us at wildwestpodcast at gmail.com. We will share your thoughts as they apply to future episodes. Music